Welcome back, everybody. It is episode 46 of Thoughts from the Shade. A lot going on. NHL playoffs just kicked off. We got the Sixers into round two. Uh, But first, we got to talk NFL draft. Uh, If you couldn't tell from the Instagram story, I don't even think we have to ask Bomb what he thought of the Eagles draft this year. Um, But before we get to that, I know you and I were talking about a bomb off air a little bit, but we we got a hero of the week uh, that touched down in our city on Sunday. So for everybody who was doing the Broad Street run, well done. If we have any listeners out there that, that did the 10 miles on Sunday, but there was one fellow in particular uh, that we wanted to give a shout out to. The man dressed up as the answer. He had the black jersey on from 2001. He had the headband. He even ran the whole damn thing, dribbling a basketball. Uh, I believe the guy's actually from Virginia. I, I think I saw on the news. Yep. Uh, but the, they interviewed him on the news. And he starts going off about, we're talking about practice, man. We're talking about practice. He just, he played the whole part up. Um, dude, dude. He, he And then he kept going. Not the race. Not the race that I die for. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean... If you're running in the Broad Street run uh, and you see something like that, it's got to gotta give you a little juice out there. So so good on that guy. So Shout I'll, out I'll to him you, for I'll, keeping it light. Know, we're moving on. I'll give you a, a little taste. So my, my whole thing is, you know, never a big fan of these these professional exercisers, I used to call them. You know, I take the Kenny Powers uh, approach to, uh, to sport, right? Um, I'm not trying to be the best at exercising. So I used to always tell people like, oh, that's great. You're a great runner. You're a great cross-country runner. You're a great sprinter. This Can you do it while throwing a football? Can, can you swing and then run? No, they can just run. Credit to this guy. I think he was the best competitor in the Broad Street run because he coupled it with an actual athletic movement, dribbling the basketball. Unbelievable. Yeah, shout out to him. Uh, I thought that was a great, great story, fun little thing to see over the weekend. Uh, I myself did not run in the race. I was training uh, in 2020. I got up to eight miles for the race, and then uh, it was canceled. And, you know, I just couldn't bring myself to do it again. So, wait, so wait, sh- wait, shame wait. on me. Hang on. I didn't know this. You were you were training to run in the Broad Street. Oh, yeah. I, I had the whole regimen going. I started at two miles. I worked my way up to eight. We were like two. Eh. No, we were probably closer to what? It was mid-March, and the, the run is in May. We were probably six weeks out, but I worked my way up to eight miles. You, do you think that maybe it, that that, ha, that contributed to the back? I mean, Tiger was doing all these Navy SEAL trainings, and all of a sudden he needs new knees, new back, the whole thing. Your thoughts? I mean, do you think maybe your training has contributed to the injury? It could have. It very well could have. When I was at physical therapy, I asked I asked the folks over there, I said, you know, what do you think happened? Am I swinging too hard? Am I taking too many swings on the golf course? Couldn't and they asked that. me, well, are you a runner? And, and I said, I, I used to run a little bit. And, uh, they were like, if you don't run with good form, that that could ding your back up. So that could have contributed, but uh, I'll go with the the thousands of golf swings uh, over the years and the poor uh, the poor mattress. But did they say anything about golf swing form? No, they didn't get a look at me. You know, they they said I could maybe swing the club at at, at the end of PT, but we never got to it uh, over at ATI. Shout out ATI, great great people over there took good care of me. But moving on, we got to talk NFL draft. Uh, I mean, Bob, I'll just throw it over to you. I know, I know you're asking where are the Howie haters. You're putting the crown on Howie. Uh, I thought it was a great draft. Obviously, uh, the big trade to acquire AJ Brown as well. But I mean, where do you want to go? Go with the draft talk. I mean, I really feel for the city of Philadelphia. Uh, you know, we all know cities really haven't recovered post pandemic, uh, not as much business traffic, uh, not as much tax revenue, et cetera. I don't know how they're going to be, you know, budget season coming up here in the fall. I don't know how the city is going to be able to fit the grease for the light posts into the budget guys. This is a super bowl team. You're hearing it here. May 3rd coming into your earbuds, May 4th and beyond. This team is a super bowl team. Okay. Howie Roseman, this was his Mona Lisa. This was his Sistine Chapel. I, I, I don't know where the haters are. Where are they? I, I haven't heard from them. I mean, you go out and you get the big guy in Davis, and, and everybody's everybody tried to punk Howie. 
oh, he traded up and he didn't get his guy. They thought he wanted a receiver. You know what how he does? Nah, dog. I'm gonna negotiate a contract and a trade at the same time. Name another GM that can do that. Gets it done. Gets the guy signed. And then and then gets you know gets the 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 center replacement for Kelsey. Everybody says we wanted the linebacker Howie, and he goes, you know what? It's Christmas morning. We're gonna get the linebacker. I mean, masterful. This was a masterful draft by Howie Roseman. I'd extend him to twenty thirty. It's the continuity at the top of this franchise that makes them competitive year in year out. An owner who's willing to spend money, an owner who believes in the vision, a general manager who executes the vision. Is it perfect every every year, every week? No. But let me tell you something. If you can name in this city a better owner and GM combination than Jeff Lurie and Howie Roseman, I'd pay you a thousand bucks. But you can't. I mean, to that point, that's like like trying to look for the, the tallest midget at the circus. But besides the point. Um, I mean, who's better in the NFL? No, I, I, I don't know. No, I, I mean, you got to give him credit. I mean, ever since. They moved on from Wentz and Doug. I feel like Howie's been really good, and and I've been outspoken as a as a Howie hater, uh, anti Howie a little bit for kind of his demeanor and, and the way he's talked to the fan base over the years, and and obviously the whiffs. But I mean, since since Wentz has been gone, I mean, I think Wentz killed everybody. Wentz killed Doug Peterson. Wentz killed Howie Roseman. Uh, I mean, he took your soul bomb. So, but since he's been gone. Howie's been great. You got to give him credit. And I'd like to remind everybody, you know, any new listeners that we have out there, I believe it was mid-October, you know, the grind of college football season. And, Bomb, you were on this podcast calling for the Eagles to take Jordan Davis. And here we are, end of April, first round, pick 13, Howie moves up. Like you said, everybody thought it was for Williams. Detroit takes Williams. But I think I think a lot of the rumblings leading up to the draft were how much the Eagles loved Jordan Davis, and and they went and got him. Um, so I mean, you gotta love it. The guy's a freak of nature. I think he's six six, three forty or three fifty. Um, but then there's people out there knocking the pick. Well, like who else were you gonna take there? I mean, I wouldn't have been shocked if if maybe they had taken Kyle Hamilton there, uh, as the Ravens took him right after. I liked Hamilton. I think he's a good player as well. But, you know, the Eagles love to build on the interior and build out from there. And this is like a cornerstone piece. And people are like, oh, well, he's, he's too big. He doesn't play enough snaps and, the, and this and that. But, like, this guy's an absolute freak. And, and if he hits, like, it's like Haloti not a plus, man. Like, this guy is an absolute freak, a monster. I mean, you were talking about him wearing a suit. And like graduation party tents for a uh, for a collar, um, and this is what we got. I love it. Um, and then you talk about the Jurgens pick. Obviously, we had DZ on last week. He talked about in the draft process how the Eagles are consulting some players on some picks. I mean, you talk about AJ Brown and the relationship with Jalen Hurts. How we've heard so much about that in the past week, and then you heard about Jason Kelsey saying how much he loves this Jurgens guy. When he looked at kind of the center class coming out, this was the guy that reminded him of himself the most. So we'll see what happens. I mean, you, you can't knock it. At least Howie is utilizing his resources. He's collaborating, you know, with ev- every uh, avenue within the organization. So you got to give him credit there. Uh, and then, you know, everybody's saying the steal of the draft, N'Kobe Dean. I wanted him at 51. I, I was a little, little taken back that they didn't take him there uh, with the need at linebacker. And you kind of mentioned how, the Eagles don't just don't really prioritize linebacker, which which I get, I got it. Um, but like that pick, I think is going to be great too. Like I know it's a passing league now, but I think about all the times that we play Dallas and how they just jam Pollard and Elliott down our throats and then hit us with the play action. I mean, you got Jordan Davis and the Kobe Dean. You're adding to that front seven to stop the run, and if you can do that, and you know keep you know the secondary and, and the guys in coverage can can play honest instead of biting on the run or selling out for the run like it's going to be great it, it's it's going to make them much more competitive against dallas going to win this division yeah i'm fired up and 
I, I can't say that any of us were super excited about Jonathan Gannon's scheme last year. Just, you know, they just gave up play after play. It was like death by a, a thousand paper cuts. And, and now there, there's rumors of the, the Eagles potentially mixing up their scheme, either playing a hybrid defense or transitioning primarily to a 3-4. And you look at this kid Davis and his ability to just eat up blocks. Um, I, frankly, I think he, he has a little bit of pass, pass rushing in him that, that can be that can be coached, um, but he wasn't really asked to do that at Georgia. And you look at his numbers, you look, you look at what he did, what he was asked to do, um, and you look at the numbers of the guys who played around him. Like, look at all the guys that got drafted from Georgia. And the reason why everybody had these great years and all these tackles for loss and sacks and tackles and pass breakups and all that is because this guy was just eating the, the interior of the line, blowing up plays. I can't tell you how many times I saw over the course of a season Davis getting upfield and either stopping stopping the running back in the backfield or turning the quarterback if it's a play action or, or a pass, turning the quarterback to the outside and the quarterback just gets gobbled up by by one of these DNs or linebackers. And you know, one of the one of the things that we always knocked Howie for up until last year was why don't you take proven winners? Why don't you take guys from the SEC? And it's clear to me that there has been a strategic shift in the way that they draft, the way that they prioritize players, and what schools they come out of. The fact that Devontae Smith had a relationship with Jalen Hurts, right? The idea that N'Kobe Dean played behind Jordan Davis and plays with instinct and plays with his hair on fire. And we heard a little bit of that when, um, when Howie made the call to Davis, this idea that, hey, man, you did a hell of a job getting a national championship this year. We, what we want to do is win world championships. They're bringing in guys who are proven winners in the toughest conference in college football. And the type of culture that you build, it, it doesn't happen on Sundays. It happens in practice. It happens in, during the week. And if you could get these guys out, out on the field at NovaCare, you know, in the mess hall, in the cafeteria, these are all guys that love football and want to win. And that, that's what we're looking for as fans, that that type of, Fire is the same fire that the fans have. And that's all we're looking for. Yeah. And, and also talk about like camaraderie to, to go with that fire. Uh, Dean and Davis, Jalen Hurts and AJ Brown. I mean, it's all good stuff. Um, I, I didn't mention about Nicobe Dean. I believe he won the Buckus Award last year. I don't know if that's Defensive Player of the Year or Linebacker of the Year in college football. Um, but you talked about Davis, probably freed him up um, from some blocks to be able to make some plays. So, Look for that to continue uh, in the midnight green. And, like, the great thing about it is uh, with White and, and Edwards, you know, Dean doesn't have to shoulder the load on day one. Can he? Maybe. Uh, is he a little banged up? You know, medical is maybe a little uncertain. Sure, but he doesn't have to be the guy right now this year. But he certainly can be uh, when he gets on the field and for years to come. And the same with Davis. He's got Cox to work work with and Hargrave. Um, they added Hassan Reddick, obviously. So, just a lot of good pieces in uh, in that front seven that'll allow Gannon to to figure out how to work it best. I also love like some of the stuff coming out about Jordan Davis and what he said in these interviews. And you know, when they ask him like, "What is it you're going to bring to the Eagles?" And you know, day one, and first thing he talks about is being a selfless player, not a selfish player. And what he was asked to do at Georgia and how how he, you know, how he's he's a team guy. I mean. You get that, you couple it with the chip on the shoulder that Dean's going to have just due to the fact that he was overlooked. I mean, would you have been upset if they took Dean with like their 15th or 18th pick? Like, I wouldn't have been upset. I would have been like, wow, they got the best linebacker in the draft. They they got him in the third round. And this guy's going to have a fire in his belly. I mean, I just, it's clearly a strategic shift between Howie and, and, and Lurie. And I have to give a little bit of this credit, I think, to Sirianni. Because he puts such a premium on guys being competitors. He puts such a premium on the goofy stuff that everybody laughs at. Hey, playing horse on the little tykes net or playing rock, paper, scissors. But what do you think happens at Georgia? What do you think happens at Alabama? You have to compete to even get a snap because everybody is a blue chip guy. Yeah, no, it's it's spot on. Um, I mean, the the defense looks, looks built pretty well. Uh, I mean... Still, still have some question marks, I guess, at safety and at corner. But I think Howie and Sirianni were kind of coming out after the draft, saying how they like Epps, 
And I think Epps played kind of well towards the end of last year. He, he's, he's flashed a little bit. Uh, they're going to have to figure something out at corner with uh, the Honey Badger going to the Saints the other day. But, you know, you, you can't have it all, right? You can't fit it all under the cap. You can't have stars at, at every position. Um, and I think you got to walk away from the draft happy with what they did. Uh, they, they addressed some positions of need. They got guys that, that can contribute now and can maybe become leaders in the future. So I, I have no gripes. Uh, and like I said, kind of at the top, like since Wentz has been gone, you, it's, it's tough to knock Howie. It, it really is. And as it relates to corner, you know, there, obviously everybody's upset about that. You already have Slay, so pre- presuming he's healthy, you just need to find another guy. I, I, I'll, I'll give Howie his credit here, too. And I don't know if it's the scouting department. I don't know if it's coaching. But uh, in the last couple of years when Doug was here and they had all those injuries in the secondary, like they were signing guys off the street that were playing and starting in some instances. You remember Devontae Bosby. You remember uh, Cravon LeBlanc. I mean, they have a knack of like finding these guys who maybe, you know, aren't even starting caliber players, but are able to go out there and make a play and contribute and, and if need be, uh, fill in. So I'm not as concerned about corner as, as many others are because they've shown a knack to be able to find guys who can at least come in and contribute. Yeah, like just solid band-aids. Stop the bleeding in the short term, maybe not long term answers, but when you're up against a cap and a, a roster limit and everything, you gotta you gotta just find a find some pieces to to patch in there that that can work for the time being, and and they've done a nice job with that. So we'll see what happens with the secondary, but I think the rest of the defense, you know, if everybody's healthy, looks really good. Uh, and then you you look at the offense. Uh, they got they got Jason Kelsey's replacement apparently. They got Dickerson. They got Mylotta. They still have Lane Johnson. Um, so, I mean, that offensive line is built, built for now and built for the future. You got some cornerstone pieces, um, that they can fill in when, when Kelsey's done and as Lane Johnson ages, but I mean, on the outside, you you look at the playmakers now with AJ Brown and, and we kind of asked Dave Zingaro about, about the position, um, and given hurts every opportunity to succeed this year and whether the Eagles think they're in win now or build for the future, I think they're kind of in a hybrid. Um, they definitely are going to give Jalen Hurts the best chance to succeed next year. So I'm happy. I, I think you got to love to see it. I mean, Brown, when healthy, is definitely a top 10 receiver, maybe a top five. Uh, the dude's an absolute stud, can be a game breaker. And you pair him with big-ass Dallas Goddard and then shifty Devontae Smith. I mean, he's going to have a plethora of options when he drops back in the fall. I totally agree. And uh... – but let's let's just assume Hertz doesn't step up. He's not the guy, et cetera. There's just an embarrassment of riches next year. And, you know, you talk about the draft capital and, and it being a stronger draft class next year and how he may be having the firepower to go up and get his guy. The other thing I think that's important is the way the team is built. It's a very attractive place to come if you are a veteran quarterback uh, wanting one, you know, one last gasp at a Super Bowl. Think Aaron Rodgers. Think uh, uh, Russell Wilson from this past offseason. Like I think if this team was in, uh, if this team was built earlier in the offseason, the way it's built now, I think Philadelphia's a very attractive place for a guy who's a veteran and wants to change the scenery. Yeah, that I was going to bring that up as well. Um, yeah, if Hertz doesn't shake out, if if he doesn't improve and step up and you know earn, earn himself a contract and earn himself the, the start going past 2022 i mean where else is the top quarterback who's looking to move or is a free agent in 23 where is he going to want to go i mean the division stinks and like you said the, the team is built to win for this foreseeable future so it, it's kind of a win all around i i, I can feel you know, the, the horn growing on my head for Howie right now, I'm slowly becoming a Howie honk, uh, but not really not, nothing bad to take away from this draft and this off season. I, I really don't think. Yeah. No, nothing to add. I just, we, we need, maybe we need to get some t-shirts made up. Howie honk, uh, Howie hero. Um, hail Howie. All hail Howie. I, I just, I don't know how else to say it. I mean, 
I, it, it, it might be the best off season in Philadelphia Eagles history. I think this off season may supplant the, the TO edition. That team was already built. They kind of just added that one piece. If these guys shake out and, and they be, and, and they, and they become what we think, what, what they, what we think they are. <laughs> it, it's not only that they're built to win now, G it's that they're all young. They're built to win now and in the future. A lot of these guys are 24, 25. It's unbelievable. Yeah, that was the promise they kind of made at the end of the the 2020 season when Doug was let go and Wentz was jettisoned out of town that they were building now and building for the future. And and that's exactly what they're doing. So, like, my gripe with Howie was Howie and Lori. I'm not just going to single out Howie, but the message before was like, oh, you don't know what's going on behind the scenes. And I sure as hell don't. Um, But then they kind of made that that promise. That's the direction, and that's how they were going to try to build a team, and that's exactly what they've done. So you got to be happy with it. I, I'm fired up for this season. The The first deposit for season tickets was was sent. Uh, uh, the second one's coming up here. And uh, the schedule gets released here in, uh, this month in a couple weeks. So, I mean, this is going to be a hot ticket, G. This is going to be a team that maybe wins 12, 13 games. I mean, hosting home playoff games. Can you imagine? Be awesome. There's 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 a a portion of the fan base that that doesn't believe in Jalen Hurts, but like we've talked about, I mean he's a likable guy. Everybody likes him. I mean he's he's probably the reason they traded for AJ Brown. So, I mean if, if his play isn't isn't stellar, I mean you you got to at least like him a little bit for for this part of it, for his character and for for helping bring in guys that that ultimately improve the team. So. Hopefully a step forward from Hertz this year. And, and if that happens, they will certainly be dangerous. Um, By the way, have you seen the videos of AJ Brown taking batting practice? I haven't. Is he at CBP? I mean, you know, Odubel Herrera does nothing. So I don't see why we can't get this guy in a Phillies jersey until training camp starts. He was drafted, I think, in the 19th round by San Diego. He would have went higher, but the only reason he didn't was because of signability issues and the idea that he was going to play football. But major league scouts basically said, yeah, this guy is – it's not that he's he should be drafted. It's that we think, like, this guy could be an everyday starter in the big leagues. And they showed a video of him, like, taking BP and earlier in the offseason just fooling around in, like, a tunnel inside. He was hitting piss rockets right up the middle off the all screen. I mean, we're getting no production out of a double. You know, maybe Howie can do a, a sign and trade or a lend out and free up some cap space. Send him over to Citizens Bank Park, baby. He's the Michael Jordan of football, man. That's right. Well, I'm hoping Bo Jackson. He, and actually, A.J. Brown came out and said, yeah, I guarantee I'd play better than Michael Jordan. <laughs> wow. You got to love the confidence. I was actually thinking for Jordan Davis, can we can we get a Sixers jersey for him? I mean, with Embiid being down, we need a little bit of a bruiser. I know he's only 6'6", that's not really that tall for the NBA, but I mean, that guy could move mountains in the paint and grab some rebounds because after game one last night, the, uh, the Sixers could use some help on the glass. But just to wrap up on the draft, I mean, I don't know if you had any any thoughts. Um, I mean, I thought I thought the Giants had a good draft. I thought the New York Jets had a pretty good draft. I thought Baltimore had a good draft. Um, but otherwise, I don't. I don't really think anybody stood out, you know, b- above the Eagles. Yeah, I'd argue. I'd argue New York, the Jets. I don't. I don't like this kid Thibodeau for the Giants. I think they, you know, you almost have to take him if you're there at five. But I just, he's one of those guys, especially in in New York. I, I don't. He reminds me a little bit of Wentz. He's got priorities outside of football. He's always talking about things other than football, and um, oddly, kind of reminds me a little bit of Wentz. I, I do like what the Jets did, and it's all contingent upon Zach Wilson being able to play. He flashed a little bit at, throughout last year. I know he was dinged up. Um, so, you know, you, you, I'm not going to sit here and, uh, and and bash New York totally. Yeah, it's a rival. Not really the Jets, but, I mean, you got to feel for that fan base a little bit. Yeah, and I thought, you know, what was cool, too, was uh, the, the kid, the kid, uh, the tight end from Ohio, Ohio State. Did you see that video? No. I uh, forget the kid's name. He was a tight end. Was it Rucker, the tight end for Ohio State? That sounds uh, right, yeah. So he got drafted by the Jets, and his entire family are Jets fans. So he gets drafted. He throws the – I mean, if you haven't seen the video, check out the video. He gets drafted. He throws the hat on. 
and his dad is like off the couch. I mean, it was like if you got if you were a hometown guy getting drafted for the Eagles, right? And like your your dad grew up in like Kensington, and he's like an Eagles guy. And it was like this guy got off the couch and started doing the Jets. J E T S Jets Jets. I was dying. It was so good. Everybody was fired up. I mean, that was so cool to see. I gotta check that out. That's those are good stories. A lot of good stories at the draft. You like to see the different people come up and announce the picks. I think Carly Lloyd did uh did the Jurgens pick. I want to say in the second round, and she came up with some some girls from St. Hubert's. Shout out to the Bambies. Um, but I think before we move on to the Sixers, we do have an NFL draft-related bone to pick of the week presented by Bomb and presented by our sponsors at Shamrock Sun. Uh, Shamrock Sun, big-ass bottle of sunscreen delivered to your door by subscription. It's that time of year. We're outside. We're playing golf. We're getting ready to head to the beach. You got to protect your skin. I went to the dermatologist a couple weeks back. I got to go again in a few weeks here. It's not fun stuff. Get yourself some 50 SPF Shamrock Sun. Slap that shit on before you go outside and take care of your skin so you can enjoy the summer and enjoy your freaking life. Great read, G. Thank you there. Yeah, this week's uh, bonus pick of the week presented by Shamrock Sun is none other than Cincinnati Bearcats head coach Luke Fickle. Uh, The Cincinnati football team set a school record this past weekend with nine players selected in the 2022 NFL draft from Thursday to Saturday. There were only two teams that had more players drafted this year. The first was national champion Georgia with 15 and the second was LSU with 10. Uh, People recall uh, Sauce Gardner was picked at four. Um, They also had a wide receiver, Alex Pierce picked in the second round, pick 53. Their safety, Brian Cook, was picked in the second round of pick 62. We know Ritter was picked in the third round. They had a D-end picked in the third round as well. Their other corner, Kobe Bryant, picked in the fourth round, followed by their running back, Jerome Ford, in the fifth, a linebacker and a D-lineman in the sixth round. Uh, They, in total, had five players picked in the first 100 picks. And the reason why I have a bone to pick with Luke Fickle is heading into that national semifinal game, all you heard about was how they're overmatched. They don't have enough guys. They don't have the horses to play with with Alabama. And if you recall, G, on this podcast, we talked about what Cincinnati needed to do to be in the game and have a chance to win. We talked about leaning on the horses that got you there. Sauce Gardner, Kobe Bryant. And presumably the safety, Brian Cook, who was picked in the second round. I mean, we were told like the only guy who could play was Sauce Gardner. And they got all these guys picked. And and what we talked about on this here podcast, G, was Cincinnati needs to play press coverage. They need to clamp down on the running game and and and, and let your stars be stars. Instead, what do they do? They played 10 yards off the off the receiver. Uh they uh let they let Brian Robinson run the ball down their throat. There was absolutely no backbone in that defense, and it was just pathetic. And then you watch Bama in that national championship game. The minute Williams went down, they didn't have one guy who could answer at wide receiver. So my bone to pick is Luke Fickle. His defensive game plan in that national semifinal game was so pathetic. And to come to find out that all these guys are getting picked in the top of the draft, it's disgusting. You know, uh, before the draft, our boy, my boy, Dan Orlovsky, was on an Instagram live doing some film review of of Desmond Ritter, talking about his read option and his ability to escape and make plays and this and that. And uh, so naturally, you know, as a non-Dan Orlovsky guy, I commented and I said, Dan, why didn't they do more of this against Bama? Why didn't they run a little read option against Bama? Why didn't they wait for that defensive end to come down? And Orlovsky goes, uh, reading some comments here. Uh, yeah, I'll tell you why they didn't do it. Because Alabama is Alabama. And, and they take away what you can do best and all this, that, and the other. And they got more horses that can play. Well, guess what? We just saw the, the, the raw athleticism at the combine. We saw these guys get picked at the top of the draft. Only Georgia and LSU had more guys picked. They had the horses. They just didn't have the fucking game plan. 
Didn't have the stones. Yeah. I mean, you think about how how off they played the wide receivers. I mean, John Mechie was out. He blew a tire in, in the SEC championship. So they really only had Williams, like you mentioned, because once he went down the, in the natty, they, they had nobody really in the passing game. So, And they, they just played soft, and, and they let Robinson, who I don't know if he really had that many big games throughout the year, even against some of the lesser opponents in the SEC, but they let that kid have an absolute field day. Um, and I think we talked about it in the recap after the natty, but it just felt like a game plan from Cincinnati in that semifinal where they were there to try to not get their doors blown off instead of trying to go in and win a football game. Uh, so there's bombs bone to pick of the week and that'll cap the draft talk. So let's take it over to the hardwood. Uh, last week we were on, I think we were on Monday before game five and the Sixers blew that one, their chance to close out Toronto at home. Uh, but luckily enough, they came out in the second half Thursday night in the six uh, and blew the doors off the Raptors. Uh, I moved on to round two to face the Miami Heat. Uh, it's just been like, it's just weird to me how this this team was kind of hot and cold. Like, I understand you can go up 3-0 and think the other team's going to mail it in and this and that, but the Raptors had a good coach. They, they had a pretty solid team. Yeah, they were banged up, but like, you had to know they were going to fight. So it's just, it was weird to me how good the Sixers looked in games one and two. They played kind of shitty in three and still found a way to win. And then in four and five, they were just like sleepwalking, but they turned it back on in, ga- in game six uh, and got the job done. Uh, but before we get to the heat and round two, uh, I want to talk about this character, Jack Armstrong. Uh, I believe he's the color commentator for the Toronto Raptors on whatever network they're broadcasting on up there. Uh and this, you know, everybody's arguing about Embiid and how he got hurt and should he have been in the game and Glenn Rivers, this and that. But my bone to pick of the week is with Jack Armstrong. So Embiid is doing the, uh, you know, the arrow plane down the court. They're up by 33 minutes left. And Pascal Siakam comes down and rips through the lane, elbows flying, and ultimately breaks Embiid's orbital bone, gives him a concussion. And this asshole, Jack Armstrong, has the audacity to say, oh, you get what you deserve. And you know what they say? Karma's a bitch. I mean, I got to get on the fan base. And Armstrong, clearly this guy is a Toronto blowhard and a complete homer. I mean, we got homer announcers. This is another level of being a homer. And he's sitting there in front of those Toronto fans who cheered when Kevin Durant blew out his Achilles in the NBA Finals. They're cheering fucking beat all week long. And then this guy's got the audacity to say you get what you deserve because he did a little aeroplane. And I'm not the biggest fan of of all the Troel stuff. I'm really not. But there's no place as a commentator to to wish harm on anybody. And, and that's how this felt. So Jack Armstrong, I know you came out and apologized after the fact on Twitter like a real nice guy that you are. You're a fucking scumbag. Toronto fan base, complete scumbags. I gave out my Stanley Cup final pick last night the Tampa Bay Lightning. And you know why I picked them? Because they're playing Toronto. And everybody's hot on Toronto. They're sucking off Toronto. I don't want to see them win shit. That fan base doesn't deserve anything. They're scum of the earth. They're not in this country. USA, man. So Jack Armstrong can kick rocks. So after the absolute drubbing that Tampa Bay took last night, are you suggesting maybe playing a little cash on the Lightning with uh, down 1-0? Well, it, it did hurt a little bit to see that, honestly, because, you know, but but this is this is the podcast that we are. I, I'm not I'm not coming on Tuesday night after game one to give my cup final pick. I'm giving the cup final pick on Instagram before the entire playoffs kick off. Um, I, I, I got to see game two. The lightning didn't look good. They looked like tired. It, it was kind of weird, but. I mean, they're a great team. They have a great coach. They have the best goalie. Uh, they're, they're still loaded. Uh, and Toronto has a lot of pressure on them. I mean, they're up 1-0. They got home ice. I mean, you talk about the Flyers, who haven't won the Cup in 50-some years. Toronto hasn't won it since 67. So there's a yeah. ton of pressure up there as well. Um, not, not to get sidetracked, but let's see what happens in Game 2 for, for Tampa Bay uh, before I double down on, on my selection there. But just just complete scumbag fans, scumbag announcer. I mean, we didn't talk about Allah much, during that series, I mean, I mean, he was homering in some of those games. 
uh, where the Sixers were losing and not getting some calls. But, I mean, I've never heard any Philly announcer really really wish ill on anybody. So good, good on our announcers. You know, we get on them sometimes, um, but it, it's not personal. Jack Armstrong, this is personal. That was a scumbag call, buddy. No, I like it, Jay, and you're right. I mean, I, I get on our boy T-Mac. I get on, you know, the Sixers announcers. Um, you know, you get on the, the national broadcast for the NFL. You never really hear too many people that make it, like, malicious. Where a guy gets injured and you're and you're hooting and hollering. And I know, I know you're probably more likely to get that on, like, a local broadcast versus a national broadcast, but... In spite of all our broadcasters' flaws, I will say they they keep it pretty professional. Absolutely. Um, But, yeah, on to round two. We had game one last night. Sixers led at halftime, ultimately fell to the Miami Heat in South Beach. I think it was 106-92 was the final, but tough game. I mean, I thought it was a winnable game, and I picked the Sixers to win the series uh, in seven under the assumption that Embiid is going to be back in game three, or, or I mean, it's got to be game three at this point, but maybe game four. Uh, again, I, I don't make selections on conditions. I just give the selection. Uh, well, let's not act like you didn't know when he was coming. I mean, Bomb was the first guy to throw out a return to play timetable. Were you? I you said had, You had him for game three? I said the earliest game three. Okay. That was the minute it broke. The minute that broke, I said earliest, game three. All right, I'll give it to you. But, yeah, I mean, I, I think he's coming back. But every, I've just heard so much doom and gloom on, on, on sports radio, uh, in the national media, about how we're totally cooked. And, and I said it. I'll repeat what I said on the Instagram story. Yeah, the Sixers are, aren't a great team without Joel Embiid. But we got people talking like they're, they're in Oracle Arena for game one against the, the 2017 Golden State <laughs> Warriors. I mean, it's unbelievable. Yeah, the Heat are a good team, but they really only have one star. And Jimmy Butler is like a a, a B level like star in the NBA anymore. Um, but as you saw in Game One, they're absolutely loaded w- with depth. Um, I mean, I think they had one guy on the bench, Tyler Harrow or Hero, however the hell you say his name. He outscored the entire Sixer bench in Game One. Um, so it's going to be an uphill battle. Going to have to get Embiid back. I liked the Sixers last night. I, I liked how they played in the first half. Um, but ultimately, it looked like they kind of got gassed. And Spolster made some halftime adjustments to to really clean the clocks of the Sixers there in the second half. But, Bomb, I'll just throw it over to you. Any thoughts on the series? They should fight. The problem is the game you have to steal is game one. So they'll get waxed here in game two, and then they got to come home and win those two games and hope that some of the momentum carries over. But I don't. I think this will be a quick series. I think it's Heat and five. I think Spolster's a better coach. I think Glenn doesn't know what he's doing. Um, you know, speaking of like injuries and this, that, and the other, like, you know, like Joel, but like, you know, was anyone going to take a run at this guy hero? I mean, was anyone going to foul this guy? He raises up for three, like 15 times. It's like, is anybody going to run through this guy as he's taking these fadeaway threes? There was absolutely no physicality by this team. Uh, of backups and bums and you know you want to say James Harden you know did he take control did he did he play physical I guess to an extent he kind of plays a little bit out of control on offense runs through guys charges etc uh you know we saw a little bit of fight from Toby but his pogo stick friend Danny Green absolute bum non-existent I mean all he does you look at his little shoes that he wears they're like neon colored shoes and it's like he it's like he's he's on a pogo stick. Every time you get him the ball, he just jumps up and it's an air ball. Pogo he's like he's jumping up and down. He's a human pogo stick. I don't know how this guy's getting minutes. He's a bum. I mean, starting with with Hero, uh, I mean, rough him up. I mean, how about just cover the guy? The amount the amount of wide open looks this guy had. It was unbelievable. Uh you gotta give Harris a ton of credit. I thought he played a great game, played hard. Uh you could tell he was exhausted out there. Um, and, and I'm not making excuses for the guys. I, I've hammered them all along on this podcast, but played a hell of a game, you know, kept them in I mean, at times. I mean, come on. So he played a hell of a game. He's on a fucking max contract. That's what you expect out of those guys. Yeah, he finally earned, earned his bag last night. But I think the difference the difference in the game, it was obviously the third quarter, right? And Miami was getting all these offensive rebounds. That, that was the big kind of turning point 
all the second and third chance points in the uh, in the third frame there. And then the, the other thing, and I, and I hate to get on the guy, but Tyrese Maxey took a lot of bad shots in game one. So if the Sixers are going to try to steal game two, you, you need an A-plus effort out of Maxey. You need the same from Harris. Um, you, need, you need a little bit more from Harden. What can you get from DeAndre Jordan? I mean, can we get him on the bench? Apparently not from Doc. Did you, hear what, did you hear what Rivers said? Yeah, I did. He's starting again. And he and they're talking about how he rebounded well. I think he had two fucking rebounds. Uh, I don't know what planet this guy's on. But well, it's the same planet he was on when he was telling you Ben Simmons. What do you if you think we're if you think we're gonna bench Ben Simmons, you're off your rocker. You don't know what this guy does. You don't know basketball. And like I know there's a contingent out there that that's knocking Paul Reed and he can't play and this and that, but and how he fouls too much. But you want to talk about roughing people up. Put him in. Let let the guy play. I mean, Jordan can't play any defense, really. He, he can't grab any boards. Uh, I know Paul Reed can't really catch the ball. He's he's not great around the rim, but, like, let him in there. He play he plays hard. He got some steals last night. I mean, you you got to you gotta try something else. So I, I hate to I hate to bring this up because in some ways it's 2020 vision, but I but I but I do. Uh, it's it's an important point. So back in the at the end of the regular season when this guy Paul Reed had like the game of his life, and the reporters are asking about it, I think we touched upon this in the at the time. You know how easy would it have been for Doc Rivers to stand there and say Paul had a great night tonight. You know we're going to look for opportunities to get him involved with our team because he does a lot of nice things and he's growing as a player. And instead he kind of knocks the guy a bit and talks about what he can't do. And we're not going to go on the Paul Reed victory tour. And lo and behold, two to three weeks later, you need this guy for like major playoff minutes. I mean, is it really that hard to just build a guy up? And I know it's professional sports, but when you have a team that is entering the playoffs where you have to make a run, you want all those guys buying in. You want all those guys feeling good about themselves heading into this run. And you don't know what's going to happen. One of your big dogs could go down. Do you think anybody would ever said, let's say Carson Wentz played that entire Super Bowl season in, in the in in the uh, in the regular season, and Foles came in and, and mopped up a, a meaningless game and had a and had a big game? Do you think you know Doug Peterson would have stood there and said we're not going to go on the Nick Foles victory tour? No, he would have said, you know what, Nick's given us all year long consistent effort on the practice field. He's been a great teammate. He's been a great guy in the quarterback room. You have to build these guys up because you never know when you're going to need them. And I think it's another example of Rivers just being totally out of touch as a coach. 100%. Yeah, like you said, how hard is it to say something like, we, we, we're we going to need contributions from this guy at some point if we're going to get to where we want to go? I mean, there's so many cliche things that you can say in the media as an athlete or as a coach, and Doc just always misses the ball completely on this stuff. Um, and Paul Reed came out after game one, I guess he was a little hot, but, but he was saying how we, we can beat this team. We just got to rough them up a little bit. I mean, I get it's bulletin board material for the heat, but without a B, the Sixers are playing with house money. So like they, they got to try to rally around that a little bit. I, I don't hate it. I mean, he, he's a, he's a, he's a depth guy. What is he? The ninth or 10th guy in the rotation. Let it fly, man. It's the playoffs. Your stars out. Like I, I don't hate it. Yeah, I'm not a I'm not a Paul Reed expert and I'm not a Paul Reed, you know, victory tour guy or whatever you want to call it. But from what I've seen from this guy on the court, the guy plays hard. I mean, you got to like that. Absolutely. Yeah. Like I said before, I think he, he forced some turnovers last night. He gets on the glass a little bit, plays some defense. Uh, if he just had a little touch, a little better hands. I mean, the guy could could probably really contribute. And it's not like DeAndre Jordan is, is moving the needle. So. Uh, we'll see what happens in game two. I'm not giving a pick. Like the thing that I said to folks at halftime last night when the Sixers were up one after they kind of trailed most of the first half, it's like, yeah, they're battling hard. They're playing hard. Great. But like, this is a game that you got to win because if you don't, then game two looks like a mountain and ultimately they lost. And now game two really looks like a mountain, but Anything can happen in sports, you know. It's it's very unpredictable, as we know, uh, through all the years, through all the all the different games and, and sports. But like we said in in the series for for the Raptors in round one, 
it's it's not panic mode until you lose on home court. So even if the Sixers go down tomorrow, if Embiid comes back, they hold serve on home court. It's it's still a series. I mean, there's a lot of ifs in there, um, but this is not doom and gloom. This is a beatable team. Is it a good team? Are they the one seed? Yes. But I think the two best teams in the East are playing in the other series. Totally agree. Anything else on the Sixers? Not much. I mean, maybe just a comment on the fans. I, I thought it was, you know, I thought it was interesting how quickly they turned. You know, oh, Joe's out and it's over and I can't believe it. And, you know, our MVP's gone. And it's 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 a bit different than, than 2017 with the Eagles. I mean, I hate to come back to that. I mean, obviously there were some doubters on that Christmas Christmas night game where they clinched at Oakland. Foles didn't look great. They didn't look good in that week 17 game against Dallas. That was meaningless, but we knew they weren't going to show anything. Um, Their offense really didn't click against Atlanta, but the rest of the team, the rest of the team stepped up the defense, special teams, et cetera. And then the offense kind of hit its stride against Minnesota and obviously New England in the Super Bowl. And, but I don't remember anyone saying like, Christmas and beyond, you know, obviously when, when Wentz first got injured, like people were like, Oh my God, like, I can't believe, like I was one of them. Like we, we lost John or John Elway, like, like the guy who was just like scrambling, running around, making every play. Like I, I don't only in Philly, but when Foles came in, there were a lot of people that said like, you know what? Like trust this guy. He's done it before. He's, he's not some bum backup. He's a starter. Like there was a lot of faith. And I just compare and contrast that with this, this Sixers fan base. I mean, didn't they go out and get a star in James Harden for situations like this? You know, they were talking about Tyrese Maxey being another superstar. Like, can't these guys step up, add in Tobias Harris, add in somebody, you know, down in the post that can hold their own. Like, why can't they weather the storm? I just don't understand why there's none of that talk from the fan base. It's because there was no bang, bang, George Niang last night. I think he was 0 for 7 from 3, but no, I totally agree. I mean, when all was good and well through two games against Toronto, it was the big 3 and Maxi was was our third, and I'm not I don't I'm not here to hammer the guy. He's still young, but like you can't crown crown him either too soon. Um so I'm looking for a bounce back performance from him. The other thing I think about now that now that you're saying that too, uh, kind of comparing it to the to the Eagles run and, and losing Wentz, you know, an MVP level player that year, kind of disgusts me to even say that about the guy at this point. <laughs> but, um, I mean, if this if this if this situation had happened last year, and I, I get the Hawks weren't the one seed, but if Embiid was out against the Hawks, and we still had Ben Simmons before we saw the end of that idiot, I I don't think it would be doom and gloom. We still got Ben. He can still facilitate. He can still oh play defense. Oh, my God. You're that's exa- so right. That's exactly what we would be hearing. Well, we still have Ben. Oh, my God. But but, but now it's it's only Embiid. And we tra- we traded for Harden. And, and Harden in February was was, was the missing piece. And Maxi was the big three. And then Tobias was the nice fourth piece. But now Embiid goes down, and it's all over. But if this had happened last year, we still have Ben. We still have... He can pass it to Tobias and Seth Curry. Do you remember there was talk last year of Embiid hindering Ben's offense? Remember there were a couple games when Embiid was out and Ben had like 30 because all he did was like slam the ball on the ground and go to the hoop. Like there was that talk too. So you're right, dude. I hadn't even considered that. This fan base is so hypocritical. It's disgusting. Uh, You know, I hope the Sixers can, can get over this and, and overcome the injury, but you're so right. It's it's sad to hear. It really is. I, I've honestly the Embiid injury for me has, has has me rallying around the Sixers. Like I thought they gave a good like a good effort in the first half. Harden looks engaged. Granted, he's he's not the guy he once was. Harris gave a great effort. You need, obviously you need more from from Pogo Stick Green bouncing around on the baseline and bang bang George Niang. Uh, if I had a dollar for every time I heard that this year, I'd be I'd be filthy rich. Uh, and, and we we need our third guy of our big three to step up. I mean, we were we were being told that we had a big three like three weeks ago. So game two, I, I think it's tomorrow night. I think the Heat are like an eight and a half point favorite. 
Certainly looks to be an uphill battle. Um, but let's just hope, you know, B comes back and, and they make a series of it because I, I don't think this Heat team is uh, is invincible. So look forward to game two. We'll talk more on, on the series next week. Hopefully it's still going on. Who the hell knows? Um, we got to round it out here. I mean, you and I played some golf this weekend. Uh, a couple of loyal listeners. Uh, we attended a nice party as well, a nice housewarming party after. Uh, so congrats to our to our new homeowners and, and thanks for the hospitality on Saturday. It was a great great party, great time. Um, but a lot went on in that in that 18 holes at, at Town and Country Golf Links, man. Uh, it, it ended with us. It, it didn't start with us. Uh, ultimately, we we played our match. Um, we declared it our first major of the year. Bob and I are going to compete in four majors. Uh, have a little season running. Uh, total with some points going. So Bomb took all the points on Saturday. He's out the gate. He's out the gate with points. He's out the gate with with Venmo. Uh, he's off to a good start. So so got to got to uh, tip the cap to Bomb for for beating my ass again. But I, I did I did hold my own this time. I think he closed me out on like 15 this time. So we're making progress. Uh, I told Bomb after the round is his day of reckoning is coming soon. So we'll see what happens. But I mean, can we can we just talk about the two the two fellows and the altercation? Uh, that happened. It was on the front nine. Somebody it was like rolled worth the fifth hole, right? Yeah, I mean, somebody rolled in a putt. It wasn't one of us. I was already in. You were waiting to putt, and uh, one of our partners rolls in a putt, and the guy's just standing there, like ten feet from the hole. It doesn't go to pick up his ball, and and then uh, our our other partners like pick it up, pick it up. So they stand it over the hole, casting like a shadow that that is totally surrounding the hole by like a three feet circumference as you're trying to putt. No, and no, no. As the, as the other guy's trying to putt, then that guy starts arguing with the guy standing there who didn't go and immediately get his ball, and he misses his putt, which starts a screaming match as I'm getting ready to line up my putt, which then abated, and literally the minute I'm about to take the club back, it's a screaming match again. Yeah, no, you're right. You're right. He told he he wasn't getting the ball. He was told to get the ball, and then he went to get the ball as as the other guy putted, which started started the screaming match. And then I'm just standing there taking it all in, like I'm laughing inside, but trying to be quiet. You got a you got a nice putt lined up, and uh, the 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 words were flying. I mean, I don't know how else to put it, and not without dropping names and. A bunch of swear words, but I mean, we left that hole and we went to to carts and uh, they were shut the fuck ups being thrown around. I mean, and they were loud too. And this this is this is a golf course where there's guys on the other hole right next to us. I mean, it it, it was a sight to be seen. Um, but I think ultimately the issue was we had, we we're all right with trash talk. It just can never happen in, in somebody's stroke and somebody's backswing and. We tried to tell the guy, and he still said that was the point. <laughs> yeah, that was the point. Um, I just want to point out, G. I know you said you kept it close with the match, but there were multiple, multiple things that didn't swing my way on this during this match. And so one of them would be that putt where I left it about a foot short. It was right on line, but. There's screaming going on during the putting stroke. Uh, I think there was another instance in back-to-back holes where I was not granted relief I was entitled to as it relates to a man-made object. Uh, and then thirdly, the, the gentleman who initiated the screaming match with the shadow uh, hit my ball, didn't know his ball. So there were there were really three instances where strokes were seated we'll say and i just wanted to make sure you were aware of that because yes seemingly it was a bit of a closer match but if i could get a couple of those breaks to go my way next time it might be over on like the 12th hole well if you keep hitting the ball into the trees and then it lands in the fairway yeah you 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 will you will continue to win uh because those are the breaks that we didn't mention um but I'll I'll take a little bit of the blame in this other fellow hitting your ball. Uh, it was a little tricky because your ball was nowhere near you know the path <laughs> it was on. It was a, another instance where the trees kind of kept it close to the fairway. Uh, and yeah, we we had the instance. I'm, I'm curious to hear the people's ruling on this. 
Uh, we, we thought we had an official ruling. I don't know the official ruling, but I was hot. I was down three. I was pressing again. So maybe I'm in the wrong. But Bomb hit a ball up against a brick wall that was the, uh, uh, the top of a tunnel uh, for a tunnel that ran under this green. And there was a brick wall, and there was a little fence built, and Bomb couldn't couldn't make a swing on the ball. And and I, I didn't want to give him relief. One of our one of our playing buddies said he gets relief. Bomb thought he got relief. Um, ultimately, I didn't give him relief, and he played through it. You know, he didn't. There was a lot said at the party after a lot of discussion. I don't know what the ruling is. So if anybody out there ha- has the ruling, let us know. Uh, but I think ultimately, at the end of the day, the better player won. And I'll also say uh, we're two hacks that that are out there playing like it's uh, Sunday at the Masters. But but. <laughs> But but ultimately, ultimately, I, I think we always give each other a fair shake for the most part. Yeah, I don't I don't disagree with that. I mean, I think I knew the ruling in the moment. Uh, G was unwilling to give the ruling, but you know what you do? You don't you don't sit there and complain. You, you know what you do? You you uh, you just battle through it. And you know, if I was a I don't know a a, a processor. I guess I would have just packed my bags and just started complaining and talking about next year, but I didn't. I battled through it. You got to battle through adversity if you want to win something, G. That's right. We did. Uh, we did. We we did run it by uh, a guy who's very familiar with the rules of golf, and I I don't think we got a cr- clear ruling uh, at the party. So I'm I'm not I'm not budging yet. We <laughs> we, we can say. Yeah, well, was- let me just clarify something for our loyal listeners. It was not a boundary fence. Where, where my ball ended up sitting was pin high. I want to say maybe five yards to the right of the green. And it was sitting uh, next to the area that opened up below that area for a tunnel. And the brick wall that G is referencing is the top of the tunnel. And they put a little boundary fence, not a boundary fence. They put a little fence around that tunnel. And I was unable to get my 60 in there for a swing. So I had to do a little, you know, kneel down, chop out with a putter, which could, you know, no distance control. I was, I mean, it was the worst part was, G, you would agree it was the best tee shot of the bunch. It was only five yards off the green. I'm looking to get up and down and get up there. My man G starts saying, there ain't no relief, man. (laughs) Yeah. So that's where I'm a little, I'm a little fuzzy because it wasn't a boundary. And we're saying you, you and and the God were saying it was man-made. It is, it is a man-made thing. But, but the thing that that our uncle was saying was that it's it's a part of the course because it's always there. It's, it wasn't like a temporary build. So I don't know. I, I I could still be wrong. I'm not hot anymore. You know, I took it on the chin. I still lost the hole. So if I was wrong, justice was still served. Ball don't lie. But I'll say the best part was uh, was in the argument of the man-made. Your your host of Thoughts from the Shade, G, was arguing for 10 minutes that a big boulder that exists at the front of each tee box with the painting on it is man-made. G said, quote, well, this this rock just didn't appear here. Somebody put it here, and they painted on it. So he was arguing that the rock was man-made. Um, there was a lot of sketchy arguments going on, but you know what? We all we do is we say we chalk it up. It was heat of the battle. Um, the Venmo came through. Uh, just to let our loyal loyal listeners know, I am a, a a guy. I do not want to induce financial hardship on my man G. I did create uh, a little uh, Photoshop of uh, our friends IRS.gov. They have a beautiful website that talks about payment plans. We're we're more than happy and willing to put G on a payment plan for bomb. Uh, but nah, man, you, you know, I think your day's going to come G you're going to be able to turn it around here soon. You're goddamn right. We, we won't be talking payment plans. <laughs> I'm getting back in the black baby, but I don't think anybody wants to hear any more about that shit. Um, but a lot of fun. It, it's, the, the, the banter is unreal. I, I really wish we had a camera for not the incident between you and I or, 
uh, you know, talking about man-made objects, the uh, the whole ball in the cup and and putting situation. I mean, if if that was ever captured on film, I think I you're think a miserable fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think people would die, but you know, maybe maybe we'll get something dotted up down the road. Uh, you know, as as we continue to build build and grow here in this uh, in this podcast and in this in this early golf season, but. Nothing else for me tonight, Bomb. Should we shut it down? Shut it down, G. All right, let's shut it down. Uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. Uh, always appreciated. Uh, thanks to Menard Premium Detailing, uh, the first-in-class auto detail uh, service in Bucks County, uh, MenardPremiumDetailing.com. You can find them on YouTube. You can find them on Facebook. You can find them on Instagram. Uh, if you want to get your car cooking and looking clean, uh, for the spring and the summer. So shout out to them. Uh, and wherever you're listening, don't forget, uh, leave us a rating, leave us a review, and hit us up on Instagram if you ever want us to talk about anything, you got something on your mind, let us know. Uh, but until next week, we will let everybody go. So take care.